Good morning. I would amen that song and our singing this morning. We are so thankful for your attendance. It is a little bit of a cruddy day outside, we might say, but we're thankful that you've made the trip here to be with us this morning. We'd invite you to be back with us again this evening. As Don said, there was a, a slight change in the bulletin there as we were exchanging information with Faith, and he and I were. Tonight we're going to talk about the song, The Royal Banner, and uh, so he had had that down for this morning, but we're going to shift that to tonight as we think about that song and how it can apply to our lives, and we'd love to have you back with us this evening at 6 as we gather together to worship again. We are so thankful that you are here. We do have many uh, of our members here. We have some of our uh, some visitors who are with us. Uh, I will just say as well that it is always encouraging to hear our young children, even maybe a Jesus Loves Me in the middle of the Lord's Supper there, I think I heard from the back. Um, but as the father of four children, and the congregation here tends to remind me that I have four kids. I know I have four kids, okay? Every time I finish fixing one sandwich, somebody else needs something to drink. I know. The Danleys have four kids, okay? Uh, and I know as well that I'm the father of four children who gets to stand in the pulpit and the mother of the four children has to sit in the pew and take care of those kids during worship. So it's difficult, but it is a blessing even if sometimes we try to shush and, and quiet our little children to hear our young people here in the audience with us. And we're so thankful for this congregation. And if you're visiting with us, we appreciate you being with us today and that you'll hang around for a moment and uh, we can get to know you. I will add one note. I, I didn't have time to get it to Harrison, but it was mentioned in one of our classes. Uh, but uh, we need to remember the Bass family, Joe Bass, who is the brother-in-law of Terry, passed away over the weekend or the end of last week, and we want to add uh, the Joe Bass family to our prayer list, and I didn't have time to get that to Harrison, but I wanted to make that mention to our members as we uh, have the opportunity to lift many people up in prayer uh, from this congregation and their family. I have a question for you this morning to begin with. What's the most important job in the world? What's the most important job in the world? If we went around the room, some might say doctor. I mean, we know that we wouldn't be able to make it without doctors. We look back to, to the times many, many, many years ago when a person might get sick and uh, you're out of luck. You know, you might live for a day or a week, but that's it. You don't have a doctor that can take care of you or has the means to take care of you. Some would say it's the president. We consider that uh, president to be the most powerful man or potentially one day woman in the world. Maybe that's the most important job. Some might say mothers. A mom might be the most important job in the world. Again, as a father uh, who is here by himself this morning, our youngest is sick and Hannah stayed home and she worries that our kids are going to be dressed and fed and make it through the day with dad. Uh, mom sometimes is one of the most important jobs in the world. What's the most important job in the church? When we kind of take a look at the church, what's the most important job in the church? Some would say the preacher. It's, it's got to be the preacher. He, he does the study and he stands up there. He works with the members and, and all these different things. Maybe it's the preacher. Uh, I would say maybe it's the Bible class teachers. Uh, if you've ever tried to teach uh, two, three, four, or five-year-olds and contain them into one room for 45 minutes or an hour and get them all going one direction, then, then being a Bible class teacher is, is one of the most important jobs in the church. Uh, some people might say maybe Jerry Renfro is the most important job in the church. If you've ever tried to use the bathroom and it doesn't work, somebody who takes care of the facilities and makes sure that things are in working order in the building, you know, I'd say that's the most important job in the church. You may briefly recall the name James A. Garfield. James Garfield was born in Moreland Hills, Ohio on November 13th, November 19th, 1831. He rose through the political ranks, and we know him better probably as the 20th president of these United States. Just 49 years later, as he ascended to office in 1881, 
Now, President Garfield, if you're up on your history, is mainly known for being assassinated in office just six and a half months after he rose to become the president. However, for some, James Garfield was known as a member of the Lord's Church and one of her elders at that. And it is attributed to him that as he left and became president and he resigned from his role as an elder, that he said this, I resign the highest office in the land to become president of these United States. When we look at the role of an elder, the work of an elder, and it's a work as we see in scripture, I might have to agree. I think that being an elder may very well be the highest office in the land. We stated just last week in our lesson that the current key numbers for the Saudi Church of Christ are 74, 75, 77, and 86. And we made the point then. It's not light. We're not trying to be funny. We're not poking at anybody for their age. We're very seriously considering the ages of the four men who currently serve as elders for this congregation. And in recent days, we've shared with you and they've shared with us that they are very seriously considering and have consideration for their own mortality. That unfortunately, as they grow older and think about the, the fewer numbers of days that may lie before them on this earth, and we think, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What's the plan? Is there even a plan? I think there is, and they're trying to share with you that there is. And so this morning, as we take a look at our lesson, we want to consider together four things this morning about elders. Now, you may have heard a lesson on elders before, and there's a good chance when you did, you heard the list of the qualifications. We're not going to talk about that this morning necessarily, all of them. We may come back to that in the coming days or months. But for this morning, considering this highest office in the land, I'd like for you to consider a few points about elders with me. Number one this morning, elders are common men doing an uncommon job. Elders are common men doing an uncommon job. Inter interestingly enough, this quote is actually attributed to Paul Buchanan, who many of you know a name that's associated with the founding of Boyd Buchanan School, as it's now called. And there's a connection even actually back through that family, even down to our sister Elaine. And I got to talk to some of her family this week at the, the funeral and here at the building as we ate together. But this, this quote, I heard it kind of in a roundabout way through several other preachers, uh, but was attributed to Paul Buchanan that he had made this statement. Let's think about some things in this statement together for just a moment. First of all, they are men. And you say, well, yeah, we know, we got that. But if you look at the world around us, you would recognize in, in a world that is increasingly more aware of the Me Too movement or the feminist movement and ideas such as that, then, then people kind of take that idea and, and shift it and turn it to mean what, what they want to mean. We love our ladies. We love our women. We love their position in the church and the role that they can fill, the God-designed role that they can fill. But, but elders are to be men. We know that very simply because in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1, where we see those qualifications listed that we know so well, it says they're to be the husband of one wife. So again, you say, yeah, I got that. We, we knew that. But we need to consider that even this morning as we think about the world around us. They are as well common men. That's not a slide on anybody. I'm not here to, to knock any of our elders or anybody that would consider being an elder in the coming days or in the future. But they are common 
men. They don't hold any kind of supernatural power. There's not necessarily this, this giving from God that they can lay hands on people and, and heal the sick or raise the dead. In a sense, they are common men. And I don't know that we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit this morning, but, but in, a, in a general way, that, that's what God wants. He wants common men to do an uncommon job. Well, what's the uncommon job that we're talking about? If you've got your Bibles, let's look at a couple of things. First of all, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 17. What's the uncommon job that they are to do? Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 17. The Hebrew writer says, Obey, obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Notice, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you so they watch out for your souls for our souls that's the uncommon job notice as well let's go over to the book of acts acts chapter 20 and verse number 28 as we consider here paul is traveling around he's in a hurry as we have noticed even in recent sermons over in verses 15 and 16 of Acts chapter 20, he's in a hurry to be at Jerusalem. So he calls for the Ephesian elders to meet him along the way so that he can exhort them and encourage them. And in Acts 20, in the passage we know well, in verse number 28, Paul tells them, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, watch, to shepherd the church of God to shepherd the church of God but but why is this an uncommon job because notice notice how Paul continues he says they are to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood if I were to call one of you and, and to give you uh, uh, something of mind a possession, maybe a tool for you to use. You said, can I borrow it? I gave you one of my tools to use at your house. If you lost it, if you broke it, might not be that big of a deal. We can get it replaced. You can buy me another one. If I gave you one of my kids to watch, I don't think you can buy another one of those, at least not in the right same way. Not my kid again. You can't just find another one on the shelf necessarily, at least not my kid again. If I give you my child... I expect you to be very careful with that child, to take care of that child, to watch out for that child. Paul doesn't just say that they're to shepherd over the church. He says that they are to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. That's how important it is. That's how uncommon of a job it is. Because we know that Christ loved the church. We know that God loves his people. Elders are common men, but they do an uncommon job because they are watching over the most important thing that Christ has, that God has in the family, in the body. I think we do the elders a disservice sometimes as well when we refer to them only as elders. When we think about this type of name or this idea of being common, he, hear what I mean because there's nothing wrong with calling them elders. When we look in the Bible, we see various words that are used in various names, bishops, overseers, even pastors that's used. But when we refer to them only as elders, many times we think that they have to have gray hair or they have to be plus 60 or plus 50 or plus whatever age that we come up with. 
Elders are many things, and they are shepherds as well. They are bishops. They are overseers. And I mentioned this Wednesday night, even as we had a response here, but, but it's my practice only simply because it's just something uh, that I like to do. But I want to call our shepherds to pray for our members when they can. They do. I can guarantee you they do, certainly on their personal time. That's what they are. They are our shepherds. They are elders. They are bishops. But elders are common men doing an uncommon job. Secondly, this morning, elders are not superhumans or even super Christians. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're picturing Jerry Corbin running around here in a cape or uh, Bill running around like a faster than a bullet uh, or Carl jumping over the building, you know, or Bob stopping a locomotive. I know that's kind of humorous to think about, but they're not super in that sense. Again, not a knock necessarily. We said they're common men, but they are human. They are just like us. Now I said, now I said a moment ago, we're not going to go through every qualification, but let's talk about one. If you've got your Bible, go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Let's just talk about one qualification for a minute this moment this morning, because I think that is all that we will have time for. But we notice in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and again it's in Titus. This place, it's 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 8. It's as well in Titus chapter 1 and verse number 6. But Paul begins there telling Timothy, a bishop then must be blameless. Blameless. What does blameless mean? Unfortunately, many times in our life, we consider that to be perfect. That's why we have to make the statement that they're not superhumans or even super Christians. They are common men and they are to be blameless. Does that mean perfect? Absolutely not. We know that no man is perfect. First John chapter one and verse number eight says that we, we lie, that, that we are foolish. If we think that we do not sin, we deceive ourselves. First John one, eight, but no man is perfect, but they are to be blameless. The English standard version, I believe says above reproach. Well, now we're kind of getting into the realm that we're talking about. Vines Expository Dictionary uh, uh, explains it as cannot be laid hold of. When we talk about an elder being blameless, we should make no mistake that an elder should be above reproach. Blameless. But that doesn't mean that they are perfect or super. It's a man who people would say, it's just not his nature. It's just not his nature to be that way. He, he just always wants to do the right thing. That's, that's an elder. We can look at somebody and say, that's what an elder is. Blameless. If we're not careful, then an elder or the elders become someone or something that is like uh, mystical, if you will. Or this, this type of thing that can't be touched or reached. I, I made this comment the other night in our men's Bible study. As we talked about elders. Sometimes we treat them like a board that if we, we can't talk to them unless we get them all together. You know, they sit at a table there in a row and, and you've got to address them as four here in this congregation all sitting in a line. And, and unless we get all four, we can't, we can't touch them or even approach them. Have you talked to one of our elders lately? I mean, like seriously talked to one of our elders about something serious? I want you to hear me this morning. And understand, I love you, and I will share with you about anything. I'm here for you, but these are the men who watch over your souls. These are the men who will give an account for that. That's God's design, not mine. I'm happy to be here. I love you. I've come to love many of you, and I will share with you in anything. You can talk to me at any time, but have you, have you talked to any of our elders lately? Again, not even just as a board, but, but as an individual. 
How you approach them with anything that's bothering you, that's on your mind, a care or a concern that you're struggling with. I'm here for you as well, but these are the men who watch over our souls. I have to go to them, not just as an employee to a boss, but as someone who cares for me and wants to see me succeed. And then I can come to and say, you know, I'm struggling with something in particular. Our elders are not superhumans or even super Christians. They make mistakes. We need to remember that. Not so that we can laugh or point at them or make fun of them or, or say, well, you guys, hey, you guys aren't perfect. Who do, you, who do you think you are? No, we need to remember that because we realize that they might have been through the same thing that we're going through. And we need to turn to them. They do sometimes stay awake at night praying for you or for this congregation. Recently, our elders were all given a copy of, of this book by Glenn Colley that, that he's been distributing lately and written, Awake at Night, a hundred tough problems. Did you know there were a hundred? I think there's more than that. A hundred tough problems church elders have faced. Because we know, and others know, that there are sleepless nights praying for those who are sick, those who have lost loved ones, praying for other situations that members are going through. We love them. We care for them. To say they're not superhumans or even super Christians is not a knock, but to help remind us that they may have been through the very same thing. And we can turn to them as we need help. Number three this morning, let's talk about desire for just a moment. The way I worded it for you there in your outline is desire, not a qualification, but a clarification. Now, let's talk for a minute because this is kind of a tricky one. This, this one is something that you may have thought of or discussed before. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1, Paul says to Timothy, This is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. I think we've made it a habit in the churches of Christ in a, in a general sense to say, well, he must desire it. And if he doesn't desire it, he can't serve. Have you ever met Moses before? Recall Exodus chapter 3. We're going to talk about Moses here in the coming months or so as our young people have been studying Moses. Remember the whole thing with the burning bush? Why, why is that even in there? Well, it's because what did Moses say? <laughs> Not me. Not me. You can call somebody else. I can't do it. You ever met Gideon? Judges chapter 6, I believe in about verse 15. Gideon says, I am from the weakest clan of the tribe of Manasseh, and I am the lowest in my father's house. You got to scrape under the dirt to get to me. And you want me to lead? Or what about 3 John? You ever met Diotrephes? Diotrephes says, and, and John says there, that Diotrephes loved the preeminence. If Diotrephes was sitting here this morning, he would say, sign me up to be an elder. I'm ready to go. I'm qualified. You need me to be an elder. So what are we supposed to find? Well, of course, the balance, the middle ground. I'm not saying that, that a person can, should not want to do it at all. But yes, we would say that if a person says, hey, I'm your man, sign me up. We might say, wait a minute, maybe you're a little too forward in this. When Jesus was in the garden, he didn't desire he didn't long for what he was about to endure, but he did it. He did it because he loved the church and the Father. If we take a look at the Bible, most Bible leaders would not have been leaders if it had been up to them. They would have kept setting it aside. 
And here's the, the truth of the matter. No one desires the hard things of being an elder. Again, awake at night. Sign me up for losing sleep. Nobody's going to say that. No one desires the hard things of being an elder, but they're there. It's hard sometimes. But a man can desire to help God's church. If you have your Bible, look in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 2. 1 Peter 5, 2. Peter says, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. The idea there that Peter puts forth is it's not by constraint. It's not by compulsion. He's not forced into it. But there is a balance. I would say, yes, a man needs to desire it in a sense. But we must be careful that that's the, the first and foremost and only qualification that we hit when we come to 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. A man should desire in the sense that he loves the church. He loves God. And he wants to oversee and help watch out for the souls of others. Desire is a part of it, but we have to find that balance. And then fourth and finally this morning, the church will never grow beyond its leadership. The church will never grow beyond its leadership. This is a hard lesson that some congregations have to learn. I've only been a part of this congregation for a few months, but it would take me several minutes to try to count up the number of times that I've heard our elders prayed for. I would venture to guess that it's at least once a service that we hear our elders pray for here in this congregation. We know that they need our prayers, and our men here in the corporate setting of our assembly take time to pray for them, and even as we've heard this morning, sometimes to mention them by name. This last point is not meant as an indictment on our elders or on these men or to say they haven't led this congregation, but I believe that this statement is true. And if that is the case, then it's something that we must consider going forward. Again, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. The elders who are among you I exhort. I, Peter says, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. They're supposed to be examples for us, leading us, guiding us. We will not grow past them as the leaders of this congregation. Notice again, if you've got your Bible in Acts chapter 20. After verse number 28, because that isn't the important phrase there or part of the importance, but on down in verses 29 through 31, why does Paul tell them that? Why does he charge them to shepherd the church of God? Verse 29, he says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up. Speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Awake at night with tears, knowing the importance of the job, watching out for your souls. The church will not go, never grow beyond its leadership because that's how important leaders are. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 12, it said that they are to admonish us. Whoa, we talk a lot about the preacher stepping on toes. 
What about the elders? They should as well be encouraging us, admonishing us along the way, helping correct and guide the sheep, the people of God. We can't grow beyond them because they are our leaders. And our leaders do a good job here of guiding us. In conjunction with our last point here, hear this, the church as well often becomes like its leadership. You ever met an unfriendly congregation? You ever visited somewhere and you walked in? If you could pick out the elders or meet the elders, you might see. They may not be very friendly sometimes either. The church takes on the personality sometimes of its leaders. They lead by being decisive. Hear me, decisive, not divisive. They lead by being decisive and standing firm. I've already heard it from our elders. This is what we are going to do because this is what is best for God's family that meets here in this location. We don't control the congregation to the north of us. We can't do anything about the congregation to the south of us. This is what we are doing because it is best for what is best for God's people here in this family, in this body. An elder. Just an old person, gray hair or even no hair sometimes, is that a requirement? Or maybe it's a man who meets the qualifications set forth by God in his holy word who oversees a congregation of God's people. We didn't talk about the qualifications of elders today. That's not to minimize their importance. God wants elders to lead and he has given us specific instructions, a specific list of what these men should talk like act like, look like. And in this book that that Glenn Colley has recently written, he says this, I become increasingly convinced that in selecting our elders, we cannot, we cannot knowingly compromise even one of the biblical qualifications without the real potential that the church will eventually suffer the unhappy and often eternal negative consequences of that mistake. Folks, it's serious. But with prayer and careful consideration, we can do it. We can lift up our elders. We can recognize their position. We can encourage them. We can think about the future. Men who potentially meet the qualifications or do and can potentially serve this good congregation going forward in the future. I I have said before to the men in our Bible class, uh, I like our preacher training schools. I think they're very important. But I firmly believe we need some elder training schools because the job is that important. Not because we don't have men who who can't do it, but because the job is that important. Shepherding the flock, watching out for our souls. We're thankful for the ones we have here. We're thankful for the future that lies in front of this congregation. And together, we want to work to make sure that we find those who can lead this good congregation into as many of number days as it will see. We're thankful for your attendance this morning, and and as we conclude this lesson, I I recognize that this uh, lesson doesn't exactly apply to to all of us in the same way, but as we conclude this lesson, and we're about to sing this song of invitation, we, we will be singing to ask for you to consider your life. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. I don't know if you understand the great blessing of being a part of the family of God, being led by godly men who love you and will pray for you. It's wonderful. It is so peaceful to know that that's the way God designed His church to work. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a member of the Lord's church. We'll be singing to encourage you that you would make that great commitment. Maybe you're here, but you've walked away. You've turned your back on God, maybe even on your brothers and sisters. You recognize their sin in your life and you want to repent of that, confess that before God, and, and pray for forgiveness. We're thankful that we serve a God who is willing to do just that. Maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling with something else. 
just something on your heart or your mind that you want to make right. The divine plan that God gave us is that elders lead the church, that the church together works to encourage one another and to reach out to those who are lost. We're here this morning to encourage you. And if you're in need of God's invitation, you can make it known as we stand together and as we sing.